Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. We're going to get into our real world examples that are specific perhaps to industries and situations, but definitely have broader application to bring to life those four points so that you can easily digest and put them into action. So the first one here, give a good and bad example from your experience when a brief worked well and when it didn't. So we'll start with what worked well and maybe move into what worked not so well. So I can go first here. Um, I will say that one of the biggest projects, quite honestly, in my entire career in a space where people weren't super knowledgeable, we were we were trying to create the appropriate customer experience interface for a platform online for a client that had a whole lot of restrictions in a space that was brand new and where we were having to pull multiple departments and teams together to one, create buy-in, but then two, to get the project off the ground. And so this was an instance where the brief was immensely important because teams would be sent off to do various portions of mm-hmm. the work and then have to come back together. And then based on the collective expertise, we would have to all participate to get the project going. And I remember being in the briefing room and gosh, there were probably 20 of us in there. And this was not one of the ones where agency brings a whole bunch of people because I know Anne's going to give me that question just for the sake of doing so. (laughs) This was equal 10 and 10 on both sides. And every single person in that room was going to be instrumental for doing something for the project and then also briefing other teams to get work accomplished. And so, I mean... I just remember at this point in my career, there weren't very very many situations that I felt like I didn't have control over where I could succeed. This was definitely one of them. And so we spent a tremendous amount of time getting that brief exactly right, making sure that all the proper sign-offs were, you know, were done. And sometimes it was people that weren't even really going to participate in the project, but where we had to have the higher-ups mm-hmm. approved. There were lots of eyes on this project. And they were investing, honestly, a ton of money to getting this right because they were so behind with their systems. They had so many systems that didn't speak to each other. And they were at a point where they wanted to flex their leadership in the space and be able to do so through this. So this project lasted a solid year. Um, it was slow moving for sure, but it was one of those ones where we did, we were disciplined. We kept coming back to the brief. We made decisions from the brief. All the departments knew the brief. I mean, by the end of it, I feel like I was seeing the complete brief in my head when I would sleep at night, but I knew it, you know, that well. And the success was huge. I mean, not to say that we didn't have things that needed to be fixed or, or, you know, optimized or whatever against the way, but it really did become a pivotal moment for the company. It was a moment of pride for the clients mm-hmm. to be able to change that drastically. Um, it breathed new life into the organization saying, you know, we, we've heard we're going to make change for so long and now we've actually done it. And the the customer experience or, or portal, if you will, was really, really instrumental to changing the client and customer experience overall, whether it was vendors that participated or, you know, actual clients of the organization. And I guess what my point is with this whole thing is, if you don't believe a brief works, 
I am telling you that in a complex assignment with that many moving pieces, parts, people, politics, how many more P's can I list here? (laughs) Um, But for success to happen, because the brief was in the room each time, we spent the right amount of time, we got the right sign-offs, it just made it easier to make decisions. And the complexity of the decision-making was taken out because we were clear on what we were trying to achieve and we kept going back to that. So that's one where it worked, where it had every possibility to go wrong and it didn't. Well, I think you made a good point, too, because as we've talked about vigilant leadership in the past mm-hmm. and you have multiple groups that are working against this, this same program, but you don't want to be looking over their shoulder uh-huh. every two seconds. A brief is a great way to make sure everybody is aligned against the, the common objective and then you can take, as a leader, can take a step back uh-huh. and be able to let your teams operate and work, knowing that there are those guardrails, knowing that there, you know, there is the common vision, and knowing that everybody is kind of marching, you know, down the same road, mm-hmm. even if they're taking their own um, way of, of of marching, if you will. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it it is a really great tool for those of you who practice vigilant leadership too. Yeah, I think that's an amazing point. Um, Okay, so for me, I'm going to take it um, even a little bit more tactical than that. And this comes from my common belief that whoever is working on your behalf or working for you needs to be briefed in some respect. Okay, so Mm -hmm. um, I was working for a client um, and um, we were working on their social um, and they had hired a social media manager and uh, and looking at what they were producing, I was like, gosh, this thing is this is just all over the place. It's just all over the place. Why are we posting about that and then that? And then what? how is this copy even like being generated? Like, what does that have even to do with our brand? And so what I did very simply was say, hey, this our social media manager needs to be briefed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need to understand a little bit more context of what we're trying to achieve. And that be- actually became like a brief but like with it, a bit of a social strategy uh-huh. in order to provide some guidance with regards to, hey, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is our our one thing. This is what, what we want people to believe about the brand. Here's your pillars for the kind of content we wanted to create. And, and, you know, and this is what we want to achieve as a result of that. And I gave them guidance in order to be able to then produce better content um, and more consistent content, which then as April likes to talk about the quilt, made our Instagram quilt look a little <laughs> bit more cohesive and made our Facebook post more actionable. And it really uh, helped to work together to um, to raise the, the brand and the quality of our social. And influencers are the same way, too. So I have a lot of qu- uh, conversations about influencers. Um, you need to brief your influencers. Okay, so most of the time, and I would say 99% of the time, your influencers are going to be paid, which means they need to be briefed. Mm -hmm. They're now a paid marketing channel for you. They need to be briefed very similar to this, which is, you know, what's the one thing that you want their following to take away about your brand? You know, here's a key messages or the story that it's really important to the brand. You know, they get to develop their own story around that. So it has that authenticity, but you're giving them guidelines for which to create good content that you believe is going to resonate uh, with their following and connect them back to your brand. So if you're not briefing your influencers in the same format, then you're really missing the opportunity to leverage that investment and maximize the investment to its fullest. Well, and I think you make a really good point, which is as there's been this expansion of channels and different types of media and things like social and influencers, I mean, I think the, the brief is 
perceived sometimes as an historic option. <laughs> and in the agency world, it's like, oh, well, we we brief for this kind of stuff, but we would get away from it on other things. And so I think it's, first of all, worth making the point that you should have a brief for any project that is going on at any given time and that you need to appropriately brief the people that are going to work on it. Because I agree, I think especially when social first came out, I remember it was kind of a little bit of a black box, right? right? And so you would hire someone that did social strategy, but we quickly learned that the definition of training skill ability was vastly different depending on person. But then there was this weird allowance to kind of just let them go because no one really knew much about it. Right, right. And so the work was never lining up with all the things we've talked about today, you know, people weren't aligned in their heads of what they were looking for. Then there wasn't a knowledge of the space. So that caused a lot of confusion. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that was put out there that was maybe appropriate for the channel, but not for the brand. And to Anne's point, there would be these posts where you'd be scratching your head like, why did how, how did we get to that based on what we talked about? And so when you don't have a brief, you see exactly what happens. It's like, just because it might be something new or something you don't have a lot of experience in or something that you're trying for the first time, every single thing needs a brief because otherwise you're going to spend time in the spin and the swirl and the subjectivity and nobody's going to be aligned about what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because a lot of times that becomes the excuse. It's like, well, I really don't know much about this space. <laughs> yeah. And you defer to the person who's yep. doing the work. And that will get you into trouble 100% of the time. Uh-huh. I was like, me and in, in April spent a tremendous amount of time just consulting on how to appropriately brief somebody. What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. What's important about this this channel? And all of those things. So if you don't know how to appropriately brief, please reach out to us because mm-hmm. – we will help you put this together in a way and teach you um, how to find the right talent and then be able to execute with that talent in a way that's going to help you build your brand in your business. And I would say we can identify a bad brief in about 30 seconds. 30 seconds, if it takes that long. Yeah. All right. So now an example of a bad experience with a brief or, or a brief that didn't work so well. So Uh, Without naming the client, I've also done a good amount of work in the healthcare space. And I will say that in this instance, we actually started with an amazingly well-written brief. We spent the time that we were supposed to. We did the work that needed to be done to get it there. We followed all the guidelines we've talked about today with the objective, the supporting background, the customer information, the mandatories, the success metrics, timing, deliverables, budget, and signatures. All of it was in there, right? But what happened was when we got to the point where the rubber was about to meet the road and the campaign was about to go out there, there was a little bit of backpedaling. This is another instance where there's tons of stakeholders, there's tons of opinions, um, there's difference in the people that are more business-minded versus the people that are more medically-minded and caring for the patient. And not that anybody was right or wrong in the situation, but we quickly got to this backslide that just really was going to happen no matter what we did. And we tried very diligently, and I'm actually very proud of the team that worked on this because we did keep coming back to the brief, and we did keep saying, but we align to these things and think about what this could do, and it's going to just completely reinvent the communication strategy in this space. And and that was what had driven everybody to this point. But we got to the point where, honestly, the client team reneged. And 
it was heartbreaking, I will say, for the team. And we still talk about what if. Um, and we we got out there. It made a splash. It was okay. But the point I want to make here is that you have to hold yourself to the brief, like all the way through the process and not let it get to a point where you've made it this far and then you get scared. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, there's a difference in perspective here, right? Like as creative folks, we want to push, we want to push the envelope. We want to, you know, be the company that's known for doing the very best innovative work and all of those things. And we tend to just be bigger risk takers by nature, honestly. And we're not the ones running the businesses. So I appreciate, I get all of that. Um, I think my career now has leaned somewhere to the middle, honestly. But I just think it's it's really important to make sure that you're being honest with yourself, client side or agency side. And when you agree to things, put it out there because I still I look at that as such a hugely missed opportunity. And over the years, we've seen a lot of Me Too strategies from other people in this market where you see that there's been a change. It just isn't the dynamic change that could have happened had we gone forward with the brief that we aligned to in the beginning. Yeah, there's nothing worse than getting the rug pulled out from underneath you. Um, I've been on both sides of that, um, and that's no fun. All right. So for me, all right. So let me start by saying that I was told by all my agencies that I wrote the best briefs ever. Oh, for ever. the love. Okay. I did. I'm like, I can get testimonials for real testimonials. But, Not to toot your own horn, but fine. Well, yeah. But but if I was going to be totally honest, there was a time when I did not believe in briefs at all and refused oh, to write them. Oh, blasphemy. <laughs> I refused. I, I And I refused and I refused because I felt like it was an exercise of futility. Um, and I would do sometimes verbal briefs, right? And I was like, this is all you guys need. I'm going to tell you contract. what they're going to do. It's word well, of mouth. Okay, so I learned the hard way. <laughs> you got that burned. When you, when, you're, when you leave it like so informal it's up to anybody's interpretation, mm-hmm. and that's what continued to smash me <laughs> over and over again as we kind of got down further. Because my what what I would say, what I wanted, and what they thought they heard were not the same mm-hmm. thing. And then there was nothing to go back to saying, no, I told you guys this. Sometimes I'd follow it up in emails and stuff like that. But, like, I told you guys this. Well, you told us that this time. And then and this other email was this. And then in the other, like, you know, time we talked, it was this. And there was, like, no continuity in mm-hmm. the conversation and nothing to go back to. So I learned that if I was going to, I mean, very frankly, you know, save my own butt and then as well as like produce really good work um i had to produce really good briefs so that we could all be on the same page with regards to what my expectations were because sometimes i mean honestly my expectations were always very high and that was really hard for my my team to be able to internalize just verbally but i want to reiterate that you know a brief is not just a piece of paper or a powerpoint deck that you hand over Mm -hmm. and you say okay um, there you go. It is a conversation. And a lot of times it's a multi-hour conversation of like, let me share the vision. Let me share like where we're going with this. Let me share the context. Even though the, the brief itself is concise because it needs to be, the way that you explain it, the way that what you share um, is, uh, it, it, it goes beyond what is actually written on the page. Now, on the other side, and I've said this before, is that on a, you got to be careful on the agency side 
not to believe that you need to know every single little mm-hmm. thing. And this is why, I actually, honestly, I wouldn't do a brief because it got to be so annoying that, like, I put it down on paper. And then they're like, well, this is great. But now I need to go talk to this person and this person, this person, this person, this person in order for me to understand fully, like, what I'm supposed to be doing here. And I'm like, well, no, no I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even going to put a piece of paper in front of me. I'm just going to tell you and we're going to go forward. So make sure you honor both um, on both sides. Is that on, like, especially I'll speak from the corporate side, you have to give them enough information that they can embody the full Mm -hmm. capacity of what you're trying to achieve. And on the agency side, you need to be respectful of the fact that I don't need to know necessarily everything and talk to everybody in order to be able to do a good job Mm -hmm. on my work. Yeah. And I think you said a couple, couple things there that are hugely important. One is adding the context to what's actually on the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, because really that brief becomes the checks and balances. But if you don't have the context behind it, you don't spend the time to give the briefing and have that conversation, then it still is a little bit open to interpretation. Right. Because then the agency doesn't know necessarily exactly where you're coming from. So you do need the narrative to make that happen. And the other thing that I will say is this is a foundation of our company, right? We partnered because we literally come from opposite sides of the fence. And so agency people don't think like corporate people. Corporate people don't think like agency people. And (laughs) so, I mean, I'm stating the obvious there, but I think what we read (laughs) versus what you wrote Without the commentary, we're just going to interpret it in a different way. And I think that does lead to a lot of arguments and frustration and anxiety and stuff. And so the piece of paper can't do it all. Never assume that that piece of paper is going to be like your golden ticket to success. You have to do all the other work, like briefing your agency partners. And you have to continue the conversation and you have to work hard and, you know, try things out and align on what it needs to be. The paper is more meant to be the, okay, when we start running into trouble or we're having a hard time making decisions or we're not sure if we've hit it, we have a place to go back to to measure against. It's not the be all end all answer the whole thing, make it easy. And I think to that point, um, in to elaborate on the point I was making before too, is that you're, we're motivated by different things, absolutely, right? And so yeah. when an, you know a creative gets a creative brief or agent, agency gets a creative brief, they're like, "Yay, we get to do something kind of cool. Maybe we'll get an award." Yeah, right. Um, and not that I'm saying they're not business minded. That's not what I'm saying. But on the on the corporate side, you're like, okay, this has got to build my business, mm-hmm. right? This is the only reason why I'm doing it is because I'm going to build my business, right? So sometimes it's helpful, too, to put um, best-in-class examples on the table, mm-hmm. like what you think um, is an example of what you want to deliver or achieve if they exist. Or sometimes worst-in-class examples is like, I do not want to be here, mm-hmm. or this is too far, or this is too you know um, reserved, or try to give visually um, or through examples some way of helping your agency and actually yourself on the corporate side align on what is good work or like mm-hmm. what is good results. Give them that that image in your mind. Yeah. I mean, you're providing context. You're giving insight into the way you're thinking. I think the more you can do that, absolutely the better. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.